we we had some conversations with our LinkedIn account manager, and they told us that seventy percent of their traffic comes on mobile devices, and uh, it it doesn't matter how great your UX is, people just don't like typing in their address or email address on on their mobile phone. It's, it's just it's it's too complicated. So we switched over to lead gen forms, and the lead gen forms uh, worked incredibly well. Uh, it 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 for for white papers, it reduced the the price almost by half. Project A Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Philip, CMO at Project A. And today I welcome you to another episode of our Project A Podcast. And I have two very special guests today from IAM, based in Berlin. Matthias, head of, marketing, head of B2B marketing, and Fabian, um, performance marketing manager. And we're going to talk about how they run their B2B marketing. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hi, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great pleasure. How about you give us a short rundown of what I am actually doing? Because the way I perceive it, you did somewhat of a little um, business model adjustment recently. I think you were uh, more of a social platform in the past and now moving a bit more to a special sort of stock image provider. But maybe you can explain us a bit what that actually means and how you differentiate yourselves from other providers that might be known to our audience. Yeah, um, that's, that's completely right. So um, I am indeed um, did a quite um, uh, interesting shift um, in the last, uh, let's say, nearly 12, 15 months. Um, so uh, we've been known for, for our like large community of photographers. So I am has built up a pretty, pretty uh, decent community of more than 20, 25 million photographers or like users, um, uh, app users who upload images through our app uh, and, and share these images on our platform. Um, and now, um, since since the, the last month, we're trying to shift from from the pure community um, focused marketplace to a sorry platform to to a proper uh, stock image marketplace. And and we have been uh, working on on getting into that B two B industry where we sell stock images, high quality stock images um, to brands, marketeers agencies, freelancers that uh, have a need of, of really uh, outstanding images. Um, and then uh, during that time, during that shift, we, we realized that with our community in the back, um, we have a huge asset of also providing um, photo shootings uh, globally to agencies or brands who uh, usually produce these uh, photo shoots themselves or through agencies. And... Since we have this global community, it's easy for us just to reach out to the network of photographers that we have and, and basically are able to do photo shootings um, anywhere in the world. So that's, that's an interesting shift exactly from, from, from a community, let's say, to, to a B2B marketplace. All right. And then I guess the USP that you have over competitors such as Shutterstock is probably the fact that you have this community in the back. So allegedly, I, I would assume that you're... Uh, photography looks less like stock photography and more authentic. Is that maybe does that does that hit the hit the USP that you probably have? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, um, that's that's exactly our uh, our, our big uh, big advantage or like yeah unique selling point is, is really that um, we we have this um, this community of professional but also like semi professional uh, uh, photographers, so hobbyists, people who who like photography. 
Um, but these people actually do shoot differently than a professional um, uh, uh, contractually tied to a company uh, photographer. Um, our community, um, as we would say, is uh, is shooting like more authentic images than, than others can do. And that's um, our biggest selling point. And that's also what we what we stand for, right? So we stand for an, uh, a non-stocky, non-cliche uh, type of, of image, uh, uh, more real, more um, to the point, um, sometimes also imperfect. Uh, and that's where we think uh, all the marketing should go to, right? So visual marketing at least. Okay, makes sense. Before we go a bit deeper into your target audience, I would like to understand a little bit more about you guys. So I think, Matthias, you joined the company only a couple of months ago. Uh, Fabian, you're an American, so definitely have a uh, language advantage over the two of us. C could the two of you maybe quickly describe how you got into B2B marketing? Yeah, um, I, 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 can, I can start this. Um, um, so, yeah, as you, as you said, like I joined uh, IM in February this year, so right before uh, Corona hit us. Um, um, before that, um, I worked for uh, eBay and, and, and StopUp for more than eight years, uh, mainly in, in, in PR, business communication, uh, business development. So, um, um, yeah, and then, then I, I moved I moved out of, of, of a of large enterprise uh, over to uh, the small, uh, more agile company. Uh, and now I'm heading the B2B team here, B2B marketing team. Yeah, so yeah, this is Fabian. And uh, before I joined IM, which was February of last year, I, I spent eight years at uh, FontShop and then Monotype after FontShop was acquired. And this is, uh, those were type companies that uh, sold fonts to individuals uh, on, on sites such as font, uh, fontshop.com and my fonts, uh, but we were also selling fonts to companies. So I, I, I was actually doing B2B marketing before I knew I was doing B2B marketing because I was also selling to, to major companies. And uh, so making the transition to full-time B2B was, was actually quite easy. All right, interesting. So, um... Just quickly following up to what you said, Matthias, you said that Corona hit you. Could you elaborate a bit more on what exactly the Corona impact on your business was? I think by now the topic is not so hot anymore and hopefully we're somewhat beyond this crisis, but still um, a business like yours, how was it impacted by, by Corona? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, it, it, it hit us. Um, so as, as I said, like we're working, we're trying to sell images like brand images and, and obviously we're working in the, in the marketing industry uh, um, and, and marketing budgets have been uh, put on hold or have been cut down. Uh, uh, so that, that obviously um, affected us in terms of like on the sales side, we've seen that some deals that we had in the pipeline were have been postponed um, or even cancelled or um, the deal volume decreased a bit um, so for our, for our company it has been a, it has been a tough time but um, and especially for our sales team to be honest um, but uh, we we just like as you said recently see uh, uh, an increase again uh, in activity and deal activity um, people companies come back to us um trying to book photo shoots or to have have booked photo shoots uh, again which is pretty cool so we see clients coming back which is a good sign positive sign uh, on the other side i'm more as a, as a as a company and that was an interesting shift actually um from 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 my ebay times i was i was used to to also like 
doing home office uh, uh, sometimes times in uh, some days in the week. Uh, that wasn't the case in, at IM before the crisis. Um, but when we had to like send people to to their home offices. Um, the company, actually, the management team realized that it's working quite well, actually. And now uh, I think we have what I feel like uh, as, as one of the most flexible um, um, models um, I have been experiencing in, in my career is completely uh, hybrid. You can choose wherever you want to work from home, from the office. Um, there's a limitation. People cannot like um, not all people can come to the office or employees, um, but you can just like book a, book a slot on a day that you want to come in, work from the office or just like uh, stay here for a couple of hours and go home so that's pretty pretty cool actually that this shift happened um, um yeah and maybe just like one more like little example of how this affected us is uh, and pretty interesting on, on the business side is our production team so the team that produces or organizes the, the photo shootings for for companies actually um had uh, or struggled with the uh, let's say the limit of people that that, that could meet at the photo shoot for example so they had to take the the number of people down and they had to move their productions into smaller flats and smaller studios with less people sometimes only one or two people shooting there the photographer and maybe the model or um, if it's a product then the photograph and the product and what they invented is like they they came up with like WhatsApp groups and and let um, the the client um, comment in real time on on WhatsApp or via WhatsApp on the photos. So that's pretty smart move actually, and that's an example of how how this also brought some positive aspects into our work life. Okay, really interesting. So trying to have um, the customer impact the actual photo shooting more, or probably that was already the case in the past, but he was on set and now it had to move digital. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes uh, or, or often uh, customers like to go on set and, 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 and comment on the, for example, the angles, the, the model, the perspectives, the, the scenery, uh, and, and, and obviously they couldn't do that with, with the travel band this time. So we, the team had to find a way around that. And, and WhatsApp worked quite well for that, actually. Okay, interesting. I also like what you said about... Um, Moving to remote work, um, I, I think we could probably do a separate podcast on this. Um, ask ourselves at Project A, we just established the same working mode that you described this week. Um, so obviously we were in home office like everybody else. And um, actually we saw no decrease in productivity in any, in any sort. So um, basically we now made this the new normal as well. And it sounds very comparable to what you guys have. But that would probably be more an HR podcast if we went deeper into this. So I would really like to understand a bit more um, how your B2B um, marketing works. So first of all, who is actually the decision maker for your product? I mean, both. So for once, the stock imagery, but also um, the, the, the photo shootings that you offer. So who's the, who's the person you target and what does the buying committee maybe uh, next to this person look like in the in the usual companies you're targeting yeah um, um, so the let's say the buying committee for our products um, is basically uh, located in the marketing team so and it's 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 mostly some kind of, of CMO or senior brand uh, uh, manager or marketing director uh, involved in, in these discussions because um, um, what we try to sell is obviously like image packs, um, so uh, larger subscriptions for a, a huge amount of images, um, and, and that's where um, uh, the brand manager um, and then the CMO have to like um, take that decision, um, um, especially also on the costs. Um, and one thing that we also 
C uh, uh, team that is uh, involved heavily is, is obviously the, the, the vendor management procurement um, because the onboarding uh, of a new image vendor takes um, takes some time usually. So, but these these are the key key partners we work with, um, and, and those uh, who are like taking the decision to work with us. Yeah. And in terms of ICP, what are the, the ideal customer profiles, like the company sizes, company verticals that you're targeting? Yes, so it depends on the product we're selling. So for, for the self-service, for, for individual images, uh, it could be a small agency, a small company that just needs a couple of images to, to use in, in, a, in an ad or even social, a social media post or a newsletter. Uh, but if we're talking about our enterprise products, which are these uh, subscription packs that Matthias mentioned or productions, then those are usually multi-million dollar companies. Uh, they usually have uh, over a thousand employees. At the moment, uh, most of our of our customers come from the DAF region because we are founded in Berlin and, and we have a higher uh, name recognition in the DAF region. But uh, through marketing, we are also pushing into other regions. Uh, since we do work with these multi-million dollar multinational companies, uh, a deal that started in Germany then moved into another company because uh, the German company was happy with the work and they mentioned it to their colleagues in, in let's say, the U.S. Uh, we're also starting to uh, grow in the U.K. area and uh, also, also APAC because our community is so large. We have photographers all over the world. A lot of these companies, uh, maybe that need photo shoots uh, in exotic locations, come to us because we have a photographer already there. All right. And so um, I understand that you're targeting enterprises, um, and I would assume that whatever you guys do in marketing is mostly sales assisting or uh, pre-sales. So what does your funnel actually look like? What's the conversion that you guys uh, are going for? Is that, a, um, is that a, a quote or is, that a, is there a demo to, to some extent of, the, of at least the photo shootings that you're doing or is it a gated content strategy? So basically, what is your, what is your metric that you try to achieve before then handing over to the sales team, I assume? Yeah, um, I can answer that. So... Um... Our main goal as, as, as a marketing team is to to qualify the leads. So MQLs is, is, is the key metric for our team. Um, so we try to, to kind of like bring in enough leads and, and then convert them into like qualified leads. Um, and and uh, let's say from a com conversion point of view, from, from the, the, the action that somebody needs to take to get to an, to an um, to a to a MQL or SQL, we, they, they we had really conversations with our either, account manager, um, and they told us that seventy percent requested demo of their traction. That's one of the most that say valuable and, uh, actions it, for us. It doesn't um, matter how great your UX is. We have some other actions that we qualify. Just um, don't like typing so um, their maybe I'm going to explain the, the, the whole funnel bit in detail. So what we so we switched over to lead gen forms and the lead gen forms from lead to MQL, from MQL to SQL, and then hopefully for white papers it reduces the price. And this, this, this whole, let's say, lead funnel is, is based on the scoring system, um, um, and, and these, the, the score that you get is really based on the quality of the action that you take on our websites or with us as an AS company. So, a simple lead has typically below uh, 100 points. Um, it starts uh, with, an, with a simple email, a name, address that we try to gather through outbound, inbound marketing. 
Um, and then if, if, if that lead has enough point through the quality of actions or the number of actions that he takes or she, um, um, then he turns into an MQL, so above 100 points. That, that's the magic uh, number for us. And that can, as I said, quite, happen quite, quite quickly. So if, if, if a person, for example, like uh, wants to book a photo shoot and, and requests a, a quote, that's, that's already a, a sign for us that, that this lead is super qualified and is immediately turning into an MQL. And up to so from lead to MQL, it's it's a fully automated system. No, there's no 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 human touch in there. Um, but when um, a lead has has turned into an MQL and 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 then uh, um, is assigned to our sales teams, our sales um, uh, colleagues pick them up and and try to call them and try to kind of uh, book a, a meeting. And once a meeting is agreed, um, this MQL turns into an SQL. So that's the basic um, let's say logic behind our lead funnel and in terms of like how do we target them overall is, is really um, our goal is basically as, as many companies also trying to drive more organic leads into our funnel uh, just also to, to, to drive the costs down but obviously we're heavily relying on, on, on paid channels um, as well so we try to um, do both like optimize our paid channels but also try to build up the the, the inbound marketing, so content mm -hmm. marketing is, is important for us. And before we get there, um, how you generate the leads, I wonder, is there also some sort of self-sign-up, like a freemium version? Because comparing you to other um, stock imagery providers, there's usually, you can basically log into the platform, it's, it's open even, you can um, look at the imagery that, that is there, and then some, some of them are free, and then then basically you see the quality of the offering and the idea is that you then convert because you might want to buy the higher quality imagery. Is that something that's also um, part of your funnel? So what, what is, is there a self-sign-up component to it? Um, yes, that, so that, that is part of our, of our business, let's say. Um, uh, it's, it's not really part of our, let's say, B2B funnel, um, but it's part of our goal. So what we have, and, and maybe for... for, for, for um, the, the listeners out there is obviously we have a marketplace that works as any other marketplace in the world as well so you can just like try to click and um, create an account uh, you can log in and you can really start buying images without any further contact um, or deal or whatever you don't have to get in touch with us just like go in log in buy an image and 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 and, and that's really it so that's what we call like self-service customers so they just like uh, buy images on their own and this mostly like freelancers and super important for us as well uh, agencies on a smaller scale who try to just like buy images on demand uh, and, and and these people are really just like in going on, on the, um, through our let's say uh, uh, organic channels and or directly to our platform and, and book and, and buy images so yeah and does that work well for you guys also in terms of um, larger b2b sales then because i would assume that agencies might also when they research stock image providers they might also stumble upon your marketplace and then probably buy the first images and you could de-anonymize in a way that you understand that uh, a couple of um, people from the same company are buying uh, one or two photos on a regular basis with you and then you could uh, obviously reach out to them and and um, offer the packages that you have is that something that works for you or not so much Definitely, yeah. So we've we've seen so um, we've seen a couple of like deals happening actually through through exactly what you just described. So, for example, an agency found us uh, uh, through their network, or they, they just like look for images. They found our images interesting, and then 
they they sold them to their clients and suddenly the client found the images also super interesting uh, because they are a bit different than what they used before maybe and then they started to like approach us or um, the agency acted as a middleman and and we had like a say three parties involved uh, into one deal so that what what they want to say is like there's there's a multiple uh, versions of, of working with us. So either through an agency or um, the agency and the, the client directly, uh, or the three of us, uh, three of them uh, together. So it's it's really uh, it's really um, uh, not not a single, let's say, streamlined uh, uh, deal funnel. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I think um, our listeners might be um, used to tools that basically de-anonymize your website traffic, such as lead feeder, sales viewer, or lead forensics. And I was thinking in a way, um, having a marketplace, basically this de-anonymization of, of traffic or a lead can even happen on your platform. So you don't really need a tool for it because as soon as somebody purchases first imagery, you can already ask for, for the company and thereby identify potential corporate leads. So I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so moving a bit more into inbound and outbound, what are the channels that you that you uh, engage in and what is working particularly well for you? I would assume it's a fairly content marketing heavy approach that you're that you're running given that you yourself can make use of the imagery that you have. So um, and I, I've come across obviously your trend report um, on LinkedIn, um, which I think is probably one of the key tools you have to generate leads but maybe you could elaborate a bit more on what the on what the marketing strategy in terms of lead generation looks like yeah um sure i thought um as as mentioned before so we we really uh, have these like two main main focus areas so one is exactly um uh, building uh, our our inbound marketing channels so really content marketing is key for us um but this Take some time, as, as I mentioned, the shift from from a community to like a B two B focus uh, is, is is not easily done. Um, so we we started to work on that, uh, and we can build on a, on a great asset here. We have a pretty high quality, let's say, magazine that that we use to like publish an, an articles every week. So we have a quick, pretty decent output of articles um, in uh, with regards to visual marketing, but also photography, uh, visual trends. Um, but but also just recently we posted um, articles about like the, how to avoid stereotyping while visualizing um, COVID nineteen uh, um, related ads or or articles. So we try to also like, like pick up um, um, the the say things that are going on out there. So that's that's a pretty cool uh, magazine to be honest. Um, and and um, the thing that we we just like need to do in the back is like to to really structure that a bit in terms of like really building our SEO um, uh, muscle here. And that, and that's that's where we just started to build up, for example, content clusters um, and and try to structure the content that we put out every week. In a, in a way that it's like long lasting and, and bringing in some leads and so that's just like an example of how we try to 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 let's say build our inbound marketing but maybe fabian you can tell more about like our uh, outbound marketing so um as i said we are still heavily relying on on linkedin paid social as our lead driver and um, maybe fabian you can talk a bit more more about that sure yeah so we have four main channels, and that's uh, paid search, display, 
We do paid social with Facebook and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn for us is by far works the best. And, and that's because of the ability to do granular targeting. So like we said before, uh, we, we're targeting the CMOs and also the decision makers in our company. So we're, we're able to do that with LinkedIn. We can't really do that with the other uh, platforms. Um, we, how we, how we try to, LinkedIn is also very expensive, uh, but how we try to keep costs down is that uh, we use, we do not use automated bidding. Uh, LinkedIn offers this and may, and they sell this at, as in the long term, it would work, uh, but uh, we just didn't get the results. We found that uh, doing manual bidding, it works better for us for, for the amount of, to get the cost per lead down. That's interesting. And do you um, do you do ABM here, or is it so basically uploading a lead list that your sales team wants to target, or do you do usual targeting uh, on industry, seniority, job title, and so on? Uh, we do both. Uh, the only problem with uh, with with uploading lists is that uh, our sales team usually has professional emails, and but the people that sign up to LinkedIn often use their uh, their personal emails. So it's, it's very difficult for, for LinkedIn to, to find these people. So if we upload a list of, of 5,000, uh, you might just get 1,000. And LinkedIn has uh, minimums of how many people you can target. So it, it, the ads won't run unless you have, unless there's a, a certain number of, uh, of lead of contacts found. So yeah, but you could also upload companies, right? And then within those companies, basically do the usual targeting. That yes, yes. That, then we can look for just the marketing people or or, or by, yeah, exactly. by title. Yeah, we we do that as well. Okay, interesting. And um, just to give me a ballpark figure, don't don't disclose too much. Um, but what are the the CPLs that you're seeing on LinkedIn? Because you said it's fairly expensive. And that's also something that, from our experience, as you might know, we have a like roughly 50% of B2B companies in our portfolio nowadays. And obviously in most cases also LinkedIn is the key channel. And in some companies it works really well um, and CPLs are surprisingly low. And in some companies we don't really get it to work. And that's obviously depending on, on the vertical because in, not in all verticals you might find your audience actually being so active on LinkedIn and really engaging the content so i wonder what's the ballpark figure what roughly how much are you paying for leads on linkedin uh yeah so we we have two main forms so we, we try to get people to download a white paper or to sign up for for a production or to find out more about our enterprise products and those two types of leads are very different like matthias mentioned if you get somebody to sign up for a production it's easier to convert them Uh, rather than somebody that uh, downloads a white paper. Uh, for the white paper, it's very easy and fairly cheap to get somebody to download because it's a free paper. And we that is under 30 euros for those leads. And to get somebody to sign up for a production, uh, we are between 100 and 150 euros per lead. Okay. And for the, for the first ones, the white paper approach, do you use LinkedIn forms or do you send traffic to your website because you assume it con or you test it that it converts better there? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because uh, be, before we used to just send them to our our uh, site because on the site we can control the form to say only allow professional emails. Uh, but after we we had some conversations with our LinkedIn account manager and they told us that seventy percent 
of their traffic comes on mobile devices. And uh, it, it doesn't matter how great your UX is, people just don't like typing in their address, their email address on, on their mobile phone. It's, it's just, it's, it's too complicated. So we switched over to lead gen forms and the lead gen forms uh, worked incredibly well. Uh, it, 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 for, for white papers, it reduced the, the price almost by half. Um, the downside with that is that now the SDRs have uh, have uh, Gmail accounts that they have to work with. Yeah. So it, that's a little extra work for them. They have to go into Sales Navigator and try to, to find their professional email, uh, or they have to just reach out through their prof- uh, personal email and, uh, and and see how the conversation moves from there. Often it goes from there over to their uh, to their work email. All right. Maybe also, like a question back from our side, from like what, what was your like experience, or do you have any best practices from from the companies you work with in terms of like lead gen, Gmail addresses? Is, is there anything you can share? Yeah, so um, from a lot of companies we work with, the it, the LinkedIn activities look quite the same um, as yours. So um, whenever we target enterprise customers. We focus a lot on ABM, so really uploading, not lead lists on a person level, but on account level. Um, and then within that, uh, targeting quite closely. And we even start more upper funnel. So with some awareness campaigns, like short videos explaining what the brand is all about. And then uh, subsequently run um, more lead gen focused activities, basically like you also do with gated content. And then usually testing the lead forms on LinkedIn versus our own website. And I'm and I'm with you on that, Fabian. Usually, uh, the 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 LinkedIn lead forms work a lot better because they're pre-filled, and you don't have to switch to a different UX. Um, so quite quite similar, I would say, to to how you're running it. And of course, that that varies from vertical to vertical, um, depending on on the ICPs that you have. Yeah, something that uh, LinkedIn recently. Uh, um delivered is the ability to retarget people that uh, that watch a certain percentage of your video. So so now that you mentioned video, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I think it was released uh, within the last uh, week or two. So if you watch, you can make a, an audience out of people that watch 50% of your video and you can start retargeting them. Yeah, exactly. And what we uh, used in the past, I'm not sure if this hack's still working. We Whenever we did awareness-focused video campaigns, we try to optimize on CPC. Um, because basically a lot of people don't click and they just watch the video until the end. So you get a lot of half views and full views without paying a lot for it. Um, not sure if the algorithm was, was fixed in that, in that regard, but that is something that used to work for some of our companies really well. Um, but I think we talked enough about LinkedIn. I'm really curious regarding the other activities that you mentioned. So how does, um, what do you use paid social for? So mostly Facebook, Instagram, and how does search work for you um maybe i can Fabian, i can i can take the social question and then maybe we can maybe uh, talk about the, the social uh the, the search papers um so um our let's say other social channels um um are actually quite uh so we have quite a high number of followers on on, on linkedin and and, and, and uh, sorry on, on facebook and instagram for example but it's mostly community related um Followers, so photographers um, and 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 designers, uh, creatives, creators, basically. Um, what we what we still use them for, and that works quite quite well actually. Um, uh, so Miles uh, in our team, who's responsible for for social channels and 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 the, and the magazine, 
has just started to to share like images that are um, selling well, but also pretty good um, image shots that we think are are, are really good uh, good photos to share. But recently, he also like tried to to engage the community a bit more with like um, setting up some challenges. So post some smaller challenges, photos uh, uh, where we think or photo challenges where we think people could um, re-engage with our um, channels a bit more. Um, ask them to to upload, for example, I don't know, uh, portraits or uh, landscapes or uh, different angles, black and white, for example. So many challenges that that keep the the audience engaged. And that's that's pretty that's working pretty well actually. Um, we've seen a so, increase. So sorry to interrupt. So that means that you use paid social or social in general more on the other side of the marketplace. So not so much the B two B customers, if you want, but the but the community of photographers that you're obviously also depending on. So yeah, so there's a quite uh, clear uh, uh, um, separation from our like our paid social channels are really B two B focused, whereas our other let's say Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, social channels are more community community related. Um, we use uh, obviously LinkedIn also for let's say organic organic posts, uh, so non non paid uh, posts. Uh, to share our visual marketing uh, uh, articles that we that we post uh, or publish on the on the magazine, um, but there's a clear there's a pretty clear distinction between between LinkedIn and, and the other channels. All right, and um, search. So um, search is usually an interesting topic topic in everything enterprise um, because you basically have to in a lot of cases separate the B 2 B from the B 2 C traffic. So uh, working with negatives a lot. So I wonder how does search work for you? Because I would assume there is quite some search intent for imagery, um, also um, B2B intent traffic. But I would also assume fairly high competition given the big com competitors you have to deal with. Uh, yes, that's true. And um, there's also a, a wide range of, uh, of search intent uh, when people are searching for images. So so we, we do pay search. We we to send people to our homepage when, when somebody searches for, let's say, buy stock images, stock photography, or unique stock images, things like this. And we send them be people to our the homepage of our marketplace. We also use uh, search, dynamic search. So we let Google send people to where they think the person is looking for. So un unfortunately, there's a lot of people looking for, I don't know, bulldogs. I don't know why, but bulldogs and, and the London Bridge. And I, I, I look at this, uh, the search terms every day, and then I start adding these things to negative. So for some reason, uh, the, the, the San Francisco Bridge is, is very popular. I don't know why, but, uh, but these people are not looking to buy images. So it, it takes a lot of work to go in there and start uh, adding negative keywords for the dynamic search. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned in the context of LinkedIn, you mentioned that you're doing manual bidding. Does that also hold true for search? Yes, we do, because, because we still haven't found the right keywords. We're doing a lot of negative keywords. Uh, that we try to keep the cost down. And I, I think as soon as we, we, we find the keywords that are really working, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll change that to go maybe to automated bidding. All right. And then maybe last question on the lead generation side. I also saw a Twitter uh, conversion pixel on your website. So is that something you, you are actively running or was it maybe just a test? So I'm really curious on how Twitter is working, especially with this um, fairly enterprise uh, audience that you're targeting. 
we we did test some uh, at the beginning of last year. Uh, we did some Twitter ads, but uh, it didn't really convert the way we wanted to. It, it doesn't attract. It's it's very difficult to to attract, uh, or at least we had trouble attracting the right uh, the right leads that way. Yeah. All right. And um, any lead purchasing? So, do you collaborate with uh, lead providers um, where you can basically buy leads? Or do you generate them? Do you prefer uh, only generating them yourselves for some reason? I think we prefer generating them ourselves. But uh, and and I say this from experience before before the team was in place, which was around early last year, uh, the sales team didn't have too many resources uh, or didn't have too many leads coming in, so they did purchase a couple of lists. And uh, from what they tell me. Uh, Usually, the out they, when they try to outreach, uh, they the, the people wouldn't respond because they've never heard of us. So now that we have marketing in place, now it's it's just easier for them to to do some outreach on, on say Sales Navigator in mail, and and they they've maybe seen some ads already. But before okay. that, uh, they they had no luck at all. And um, do you, is is like what we use in in SaaS B two B a lot, uh, G two Captera, so all these comparison sites is that also a thing for you or not so much because you what you offer in the end is not really a SaaS tool but but a, but a package so some sort of subscription but not a tool so much so is, are, is this something that you that also works for you or, or is, is there basically no forum for uh, stock imagery providers on G2 and Captera? It's something that our uh, somebody from our sales team mentioned uh, a couple of months ago because he, he did find something. He said he uses uh, G2 a lot and he found that somebody had written something about Shutterstock and he did mention it, but uh, we haven't uh, really gotten to that point where, where we're using But something for us to look into. All right. And probably something to look into, yeah. Um, so moving a bit more. So thanks, guys, already for, for being so so vocal, so open about um, how you run things. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so you mentioned um, tooling a little earlier, and I would really like to better understand what the MarTech stack behind your activities look like. So there's also a HubSpot pixel on your website, so I assume you use HubSpot. Um, but maybe you can give us a quick rundown of what the tools are that you work with on a daily basis. And maybe you have also a, a hidden champion or, or tool recommendation that you started using recently and that you can really recommend to our listeners. Yeah, I'd say that, uh, well, as you mentioned, we use HubSpot and that's the main tool that we use. We use that uh, for capturing leads, uh, for 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 uh, qualifying them and for sending out our emails. Uh, our B2B email. Uh, we also use uh, our sales team uses Sales Navigator to to look for leads. Uh, there was this before. There was this great integration between LinkedIn and Sales Navigator where we can target these leads, but they they recently deprecated that option. And uh, we also use Zapier uh, to link sync our database with HubSpot. And then we use a typical Excel, SQL, Python, Tableau for for data analysis. And your sales team is are they using PipeDrive, Salesforce, anything of the likes? No, not not really. I think um, um, HubSpot is there. I also like for them. The, also the, HubSpot. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing like that, that we have to mention maybe is also that uh, uh, before I started, I think the uh, we we just like we just. Um, Cancelled subscriptions to a couple of tools to completely revamp the tool set that we work with. Uh, 
a lot of our SEO tools have been like really cancelled. We're in discussions of, of uh, with, with 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 new tool providers to to just review entirely the tools we, that we that we use. Uh, and the same is true for say, uh, um, let's say our uh, CRM in-app communication tools and stuff like that. So we're completely re- re- reviewing that, that the tools we do right now. So if you have any tips and 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 any anything you can recommend, um, we're super open for that. Yeah, and I think we also shouldn't forget that this somewhat pivot, if you want to call it that way, uh, to focus more on this stock exchange uh, offering is also fairly recent, right? So. It's not that you've been running exactly the same show for a couple of years, but you basically shifted focus more from the community to this to this yeah, service yeah, offering. Exactly, right? exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe from just from our perspective, um, in terms of tooling, what we see in our companies, um, HubSpot is almost everywhere. Um, you sound also quite happy with it. Um, most sales teams then don't use HubSpot, but either PipeDrive or Salesforce. Um, which comes with some challenges because they don't have the same logic as HubSpot. And then you need to find a good way of, of syncing um, data between those two tools. Plus, um, you obviously want to hand over the UTM parameters or source information where a lead is coming from also to the sales CRM to later on identify um, where did we actually generate the highest quality customers from. So that's usually something that you have to custom build or that our portfolio companies build. And then um, oftentimes the reporting is, is happening in, in Salesforce um, or you build an analytical layer on top. So like a mini data warehouse, where you basically extract everything and then you put a, um, a data visualization tool on top to make sure that you're less dependent on the tool and don't have your entire reporting in there. But really, we, we see um, a lot of different setups when it comes to that uh, within, the, within the portfolio. So... Um, any any tool that you in, in your recent revamp of the tool landscape that you that you would recommend something that you probably weren't aware of prior and now can say this is something that every B2B marketer should actually look into? Um, yeah, not, not really, not really a recommendation. It's more like something that we are trying to explore in a, in a test because we have some connections to them. So we're working with uh, clearly.io. It's a I think it's like uh, more startup-like. I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but uh, so they're trying to build up the the, the, the company. Uh, I think for 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 a couple of months or so. Um, and and what the what the, what the tool does is basically try to do some predictive analysis in terms of like what's the next best action that that you need to to take in order to convert that that lead. So it's trying to like uh, turn the page around and not like looking um, at the at the past, but more like in the future of what's the next step, not what has been done in the past in terms of like actions that the, that the lead took on your side. It's more like what's the next action that he likely is to take. And then uh, based on that, you can you can really just like plan the marketing actions in advance. So that's something that we try to 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 um, to test, to be honest. So I'm, I'm, I'm not um, sure if I can rec- recommend it now, but maybe looking into like some kind of predictive uh, analysis um, that that's maybe interesting too. One, uh, well, sorry, I wanted to just recommend something uh, that I used in my last company, which was really great called Heap Analytics. And uh, Heap Analytics is like Google Analytics, but what it, allows is that once you set it up, it captures every single event 
Uh, so in Google Analytics, you have to go in and say, and, and create the events so you can start tracking. But he, he just, it, as soon as it's set up, then you can go back and, and, and check which events happened before, before purchase or before a sign up, which was very, very useful. Yeah, I think Heap is something that our product team also uses a lot, and not only in, in the B2B context. So I think, I'm not sure how they call this product exactly, but what I think is pretty cool about them is that they track events even before you set them up, right? So at, at any point in time, you could still say, wow, I would actually be interested in this, in this behavior or in this conversion. And usually with Google Analytics, you would then have to wait until enough data is generated. And they basically have tracked that historically. It can immediately tell you or give the answers to to your question. So quite a quite a powerful tool, but also not super cheap, I think. <laughs> All right, and then maybe quickly some questions regarding who's running the show together with you guys. So what does your marketing team uh, look like? Who does it consist of? So I would assume some, some content-focused people, uh, but maybe you could quickly explain who else is working on the team. Yeah, so um, actually, it's it's quite a new team. Uh, we are a, a team of uh, six. Um, so Fabian, uh, uh, as, as you already learned, is uh, doing our performance marketing. We have Ellie. Um, uh, Ellie uh, leads our campaign planning, and uh, she she has a background in community communications. So she, she did a lot in, in terms of like activating our community, and she still takes that hat um, or uh, wears that hat. hat um, but she's mainly responsible for campaign planning. Uh, owns our content calendar uh, and drives our, 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 our say, uh, communications uh, each week. Uh, Miles uh, uh, is our lead uh, editor. He leads the magazine uh, and everything social uh, on our social channels. Um, then we have Bhakti. Um, he's our brand, uh, brand manager. So uh, we used to do a lot of like also uh, uh, offline branded events with with partners, especially from the photography industry like Canon or Leica or uh, other partners. Um, and and uh, and he he managed that. And he also owns one interesting uh, tool or product that we sell to to some companies, which is our missions. So in our tool, everyone uh, uh, um, can join uh, on a weekly basis new competitions and upload photos for a certain topic. And we try to to um, bring in some brands uh, in there that can just like activate the community for their topics, for example, like e-mobility or, I don't know, uh, clean, clean living was something that we had with, with one of, of our clients in the, in the past. Um, so he's, he's owning that. Mm, and then we have two, uh, a team of uh, two content curators. So uh, Johnny is our visual, let's say, expert. He's been for the com in the company quite a long time. He's um, uh, really great at, at, at spotting the right images. He has a lot of knowledge um, about what a good image um, is. And, and he and, and, and Lauren, um, they both run our uh, curation. So we kind of hand make um, some collections for special clients who who want to save the time of searching themselves uh, and they they really bring the best uh, images out of our marketplace all right and is there anything you outsource to agencies uh not yet <laughs> that's part of my job actually to convince my management to outsource some, some parts actually so um, as i mentioned we're looking into into some things for example like seo as i mentioned uh, it is a discussion and um, still not decided. Um, 
another thing would be, for example, that I would be super happy to to talk about um, is uh, UX design, uh, uh, the optimization of of uh, user flows uh, through our website. So especially when you think about the money that you put into our external channels that, that bring you leads onto your website uh, and then the website does not convert as, as you want it to, maybe, um, that would be super interesting to, to have an agency looking at that. Um, but it's something that we, that we consider, but we haven't done, done that yet. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, how do you manage the relation to your sales team, account management team? Um, because, I mean... Um, it's a big topic in B2B marketing is the somewhat missing alignment between marketing and sales in some companies. So do you have any best practices on how you work together with your sales team? Make sure that um, the content that you're using is in line with what they're selling, uh, making sure that there are feedback loops in place. Um, so how often and do you sit together with them and how do you make sure that you're speaking the same language? Um, yeah, I mean, for, for us, that's, that's quite, quite easy because like we are uh, uh, reporting to our sales director. So we are part of, the, of an overall sales team, which is pretty, pretty handy, actually. Uh, and that, that's, that's where we have regular meetings with the sales teams. Obviously, they have their own, but we have a combined uh, meeting with sales and marketing. Um, I personally have, have catch up with, the, let's say, uh, uh, BDM leads, SDR leads, uh, quite quite often on a weekly basis. Um, so there's a strong, um, let's say, um, collaboration uh, going on. Um, obviously, um, it, it's always not 100% synced, but I think we are we are doing quite well in, in working together and trying to to do the stuff that they need. Um, for example, when we have a new visual trend report um, that we that we, that we uh, publish, we, we try to let them look over it if it makes sense, if it's the right industry. We ask for them uh, coming back to us with with the industry focus that that they have right now. So there's a good collaboration, uh, I, I would say, from from my perspective. All right, then slowly coming to an end, I have three questions left. Um, the first one would be. What is actually your biggest challenge right now? So you explained that you've been revamping um, the entire tool landscape. You also described the, the, if you want to call it pivot, that you that you experienced um, recently. So a lot has been going on. Uh, what is currently the challenge when you look forward to the next six months? I, I mean, despite um, Corona and everything. So what is it that you that you challenge that is your challenge at the moment? Yeah. So. Um... The, the biggest challenge for us is actually the the, the the big picture. So really converting IM as, as a community brand into a B2B brand so that advertisers, marketeers out there know our name, know what we do and, and, and appreciate that, that maybe we have the better content. So it's it's really, that, that is really difficult, especially if, like if, if you're a small company and you don't have maybe a budget to run large brand campaigns. Um, so um, that's the challenge. Um, I think I'm sure we get there. So uh, with a lot of like tricks and, and, and hacks, um, but 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 it's it's looking good so far. Um, and 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 maybe on a smaller scale, it's um, it's it's really uh, working with uh, let's say um, uh, uh, the team in, in these times where. Uh, especially maybe also like sales teams um, have have a hard time reaching out and and celebrating the successes is challenging, um, uh, mainly driven due to Corona uh, by Corona. So that's that's uh, 
challenging. But but I, but we see we see still we see uh, right now that things are getting better in the last few weeks. So I'm quite optimistic that that happens. All right, then. One more question that I was also asked um, when I was on a podcast by Eric Siegmann, the Marketing Transformation Podcast, can only recommend. And that is harder to answer than, than you might assume. And he asked me, how do you keep your knowledge up to date? Um, and uh, it sounds like a very trivial question, but it's actually not. So I want I basically started using this question as well at the end of, of, of my podcast. So I wonder, how do you make sure that everything you know about marketing especially in the b2b field is up to date and that you're applying the the, the best practices yeah well so uh, um <laughs> one one obvious thing is obviously listening to podcasts so I'm, i'm a big podcast fan so that's how actually i i, I came to you guys and i'm listening to your podcast actually uh, and that's how how i try to to reach out to you um i also listen to like um, uh, another podcast that i really like a lot it's like scott galloway from University, everyone may, might know him. Um, newsletters uh, also work sometimes quite well. So I, I like the, the obviously the Google one. HubSpot I, I found during Corona crisis had some really good, interesting uh, uh, newsletters and webinars. Uh, one of the few good ones I've, I've seen. I, I do a lot of my own research. To be honest, um, I find uh, uh, Medium.com quite interesting sometimes. Super interesting articles in there. Um, I recently read a good article about how to to uh, create a, a, a super successful pitch deck, which I, I, I really liked, um, and 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 that's that's really it. So some some kind of like uh, uh, own research is always involved. Um, so yeah, maybe something like um, for a question back to you. Um, what what else can you recommend? Uh, I'll get there in a second, but I wanted to ask Fabian first. Um, How does it look like for you? Um, I assume you're also in touch with uh, account managers on from LinkedIn side, for example, from Facebook side a lot to, to probably make sure that they update you on the recent developments on the platforms. Am I correct in assuming that? Or how do you make sure that your knowledge is staying up to date? No, that's definitely the case. We have uh, two great account managers and, and they're always uh, sending us... Uh, Updates. We meet with them once a month, and they always they look over our our our, our campaigns, give us tips. Uh, they they also be, send us. Uh, uh, they allow us to maybe try some of their some of their products that are in beta. Uh, so that's for LinkedIn, definitely uh, the account managers, and yeah, in general newsletters. Uh, I I also love the the Google newsletter. The, uh, I I like to work with analytics, so the Google Analytics newsletter. And right. also right now, there's a lot of webinars that you can sign up yeah. for. Yeah, that's true. A lot of great events that are now for free um, where you can definitely listen to good speakers. So um, I also didn't want to deflect your question, Matthias, but wanted to have Fabian answer first. So um, from my end, it, it, it's fairly the same. So um, uh, one thing where I would also like to invite the two of you is our annual Project A Knowledge Conference. So uh, this, this year it's happening on the 13th, I think, of October. Um, we're not yet sure if it's going to be uh, physically or a hybrid uh, event. Um, but we started this conference with uh, last year, I think, a thousand uh, attendees and this year even going for more because we found that um, a lot of events, conferences are so high level that you don't really learn anything anymore. 
and it's just networking. And we wanted to change that because as the operational VC, what we stand for is actual hands-on support. And we engage with uh, colleagues from our portfolio companies on a daily basis to improve uh, on the nitty gritty. And um, the conference that we basically um, started um, has as an objective to let these people talk. So not the ones that talk about high level stuff that they achieved and how great everything is, but really how they actually ran into actual problems, how they um, solved them or maybe did not manage to solve them. So really operational stuff, because we felt this is actually what conferences should be for, apart from the obvious networking. So you're both uh, happily invited. Um, I'll send you an invite afterwards. And for everyone else who's listening to us, um, it's an invite-only event. It's for free. So feel free to sign up. And then if you're lucky, um, you're, you're, you're being invited. Um, that's definitely also one of the forums where I get in touch with a lot of um, smart minds in, in the field of marketing. So that's where I keep my knowledge up to date. Plus, I'm in a lucky position to be in touch with the VP marketing CMOs of our portfolio companies. And we have 50 of those by now. So um, just by talking to these colleagues and i'm learning actually a lot and then of course podcasts um you mentioned some some nice ones uh, i mentioned eric siegman's podcast i think the omr podcast is is really good and they have a couple of ones right now that are fairly interesting and then on the analytics side there are also some that are really interesting like the digital analytics power hour is something that i really like to listen to it's a bit more techy but really goes deep into the field of marketing analytics so I think there's a lot of stuff by now that's for free um, on the internet, but also talking to really nice people to learn from. And I think today was such a session. So thanks a lot for being here with me. Thanks a lot also for being very open about how you run things. Also um, mentioning the challenges you have. So thanks a lot for stopping by. Thanks a lot for having us. It was a great pleasure. Thanks, uh, Philip. It's definitely fun. All right. Thanks then. Hopefully see you latest at our conference. I'll send you an invite afterwards and thanks everyone for listening and see you next time. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.